Thank you. Come on, everybody. Come on. Y'all ready for church today? Come on. How many uh, that your week starts on Sunday or Monday? When does your week start? Sunday or Monday? Huh? Come on, Sunday. Come on, Sunday's the first day of the week. That's your answer. You're honoring God and serving God. Thanks for coming out in the uh, great sun. Daniel was here last uh, couple years ago, and then Matt, and then uh, he said, you know, every time I'm in San Diego, which is twice now, uh, it rains. So come on, how many know that, 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 that they brought the rain? Come on, so they, they brought rain. But, uh, you know, every time I think that it rains in San Diego, I always think, you know, the spiritual side of it, that Zacharias says, ask of the Lord rain in the time of the latter rain. And they send bright clouds, showers of rain, grass in every man's field. So, so really, I look at rain in San Diego as just a pre- prophetic declaration. To come on, God's getting ready to do something amazing. Come on, everybody. You know, we said this a couple weeks ago during the whole Easter message and the living through it that, you know, even though as good as a seed is, as good as a seed is, it's never going to germinate unless there's rain, right? Unless there's water. And so one of the things that's so cool about when you hear the word of God, that as you hear the word of God, that the Bible says that faith comes from hearing and hearing and hearing by the word of God. So no matter what you've heard or what you've read, there has to be a continual soaking in that word, a continual going over it. So, so I'm just encouraging you that no matter what you've read, if you've read the book of John before, come on, read it one more time. Come on, everybody. If you've heard a message before, maybe you need to get that old DVD out. Come on, how many remember DVDs? Or Come on, anybody got some VHSs at their house? Come on. Come on, VHS people. Yeah, come on, we got a bunch of VHS kid movies at our house, and the, it's amazing. Our grandkids like to watch those now. I don't know why, but anyway, you just keep hearing the word of God because, again, faith is going to come. So Daniel was with us a couple years ago, and, man, he's just doing some great things all around the world. Uh, we, got a couple, we got four children, a man, beautiful wife, and, and Matt's on staff at a church in Ohio, Storyside Church. There are multiple campuses and just doing phenomenal, phenomenal things. So we're in a treat this morning. Uh, uh, Gosh, you're going to hear the word of God from Daniel tonight. Uh, we're going to just kind of have a worship night, kind of like we do on, 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 on night services. We kind of said the flow for us is, you know, cloud by day, fire by night. So come on. If you want more of the Holy Spirit, you're hungry for God, you're hungry for the Spirit of God in a new way, come on, come back tonight at 6 o'clock because we believe God's going to show up in a different way. Come on. Can you say amen, everybody? Come on, say, come on, poke your neighbor and say, you getting this? Come on, you getting this? Come on, tonight's going to be great. It's going to be great. So come on, without any further ado, I really don't know what that means, but, but come on, would you welcome up? There's Matt, and here's, here's Daniel. Come on, give up. Stand up. Would you do that today? Just welcome, welcome Daniel into the house. Come on, he's got the best beard in church today, doesn't he, huh? Love you. Come on, how many of y'all ever seen Duck Dynasty? Duck yeah, yeah. Dynasty, right there. You're not working. Is this on? I don't know. Check one, two, check. Okay, give me a little bit more volume. I'm gonna awesome. Give Pastor Gary a huge okay. hand for being <laughs> amazing. Hey, will you do this with me? Will you lift your hands all over the room? Come on, as a sign of surrender to God. And maybe you're brand new to church. Maybe somebody told you that if you came today, they were gonna buy you a steak later. You didn't know it was a steak taco from Taco Bell, but you're here, and I believe that you're here on purpose. I believe that God wants to download something to you today that will encourage you, that will light a fire in you, that you'll walk out unanimously in agreement with all of us in the room, that Jesus was in the room. Let me give you a verse so you don't think it's just my opinion. Matthew chapter 18, verse 19 and 20 says, if just two or three of you will show up and gather in his name, how many of y'all came for Jesus today? Wave at me while your hands are up. It says that he will be in the midst of us. So I've got great news. All throughout worship, the healer is here. All throughout The time of greeting and hanging out, Jesus is in the room because we didn't show up to play karaoke Sunday. Because if this thing is about a religious experience, then I don't want anything to do with it. Because religion is condemning and judgmental. What this thing is all about is relationship. 
with a Savior who loves you, who's never ran out on you, who's never abandoned you, who's never forsaken you. And no matter what you're walking through, where you're at currently, maybe you're duct taped and super glued back together, I have a promise for you today that his promises are yes and amen. And he loves you. He's not mad at you. He's actually madly in love with you. Follow with our hands lifted as a sign of surrender. God, my declaration today is that the hell happening around us is no match for the heaven that's inside of us. That greater is he, come on, just for a minute, greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. Father, today I thank you that there's a release in this room that we brag and boast on 10 years from now. We brag and boast on, I remember that was the day I showed up and left with hope. That was the day I showed up and left refreshed. That was the day I showed up and sickness left my body. That was the day I showed up and I felt peace like never before. I felt refreshed like never before. So God, today, I pray that supernatural courage, boldness, clarity, wisdom, perseverance, diligence, and a fight would rise up in every single person in the room. Mm. Here's my worship, all of my worship, receive my worship. All of my worship. See if you can grab that with me. Here's my worship. All of my worship. Receive. Receive my worship. All of my worship. Come on one more time. Declare it. Say, here's my worship. All of my worship, receive my worship, all of my worship. So God, today receive our worship. We honor you, we bless you. We magnify you and we exalt your name. The name above all names, that the name of Jesus, the, the name that's still bigger than the name of cancer. The name of Jesus, the name that's still bigger than diabetes and congestive heart failure and cardiovascular issues. The name of Jesus that's still bigger than autoimmune issues and fibromyalgia and chronic pain. The name of Jesus that's still bigger than migraines and eye issues and ear issues. The name that's still bigger than broken marriages and str struggles and addictions. And the name that the mountains bow down and that the oceans roar to. The name of Jesus. Can you high-five a couple of people around you and you can be seated this morning? Amazing. We bless you, Lord. Would you give Matt a hand? He's amazing. He's traveling with me. So uh, Matt and I were just, Wednesday and Thursday, we were just in West Palm Beach, Florida. For those of you, how many of y'all were with us when I was here two years ago? Wave at me. Okay, cool. How many of you guys have no clue who I am? All right, some of y'all are like, I thought Pastor Gary was preaching. Well, you got white chocolate today. <laughs> so um, from Greenville, South Carolina is where we currently base out of. I'm at a church there called Relentless Church, Pastor John Gray, and uh, one of the teaching pastors and worship pastors there. Travel all over the country, have been the past 15 years just uh, getting in the way of people's storms, honestly. That has been the mission and the purpose behind our ministry is to get in the way of people's storms and point them to Jesus because James chapter 5, verse 16 talks about how it's the goodness and love of God that draws a man's heart to a place of freedom, to a place of repentance. So, yes, there's a worship element 
element to this. There's a, obviously a word element to this. But simply put, we believe that if we can set up the atmosphere for Jesus to show up, people's stories change. So come on, I need some more like enthusiasm. I need like, is that beard real? That's fine. Preach it, white boy. Whatever you need to yell back at me. I got to have it. So we're super excited. We were Wednesday, Thursday in West Palm Beach. Saw a bunch of people saved. Saw a bunch of people helped. And tonight is going to be incredible. If you've never been a part of one of these worship nights, show up tonight. Come with expectation. Don't come as a spectator. That's a waste of time. I had an experience last night with some Chick-fil-A. Come on, y'all. You can have experiences in life, but I'm not satisfied with experiences anymore. I'm all about encounters. And tonight, Jesus is going to be in the room. So invite somebody you know, a neighbor, a coworker, that one lady that bothers you. You're like, Deborah, I never talked to her. Invite her tonight. <laughs> if your name's Deborah in the room, I apologize. We're not talking about you. That was not personal. But be a bringer tonight and show up with expectation because we believe that the atmosphere of expectation is the breeding ground for miracles. So you can show up and say, man, I really need hope in this area. Because let me say this, and I want to say this as a pretty bold declaration. This would go against God's divine order of free will. God is not a forcer. He will never force himself on your life. But I'll tell you what he is. He's a filler. You need peace, make room, and he'll fill every time. You need joy, make room, and he'll fill every time. You need hope, make room, and he'll fill every time. And so that's what we're excited about. This morning is going to be amazing, but I believe tonight is one of those set-apart nights that 10 years from now we say, I remember. Yeah, I remember. I showed up completely broken. I showed up and I needed a miracle. I showed up and I needed freedom, and I walked out better than when I came in. Will y'all hook up your faith with us and believe that that's going to be amazing tonight? I believe that when you put Jesus at the center, everything else comes into perspective. You know, it's kind of like when Peter stepped out of the boat. He didn't sink in the water until he took his eyes off of Jesus. So last night, this is for just, just letting you in on my life. We flew three-hour time difference. So Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, West Palm Beach, jumped on a plane, flew here yesterday. I, I don't, felt like we traveled literally. We left at 3 in the morning, and we landed here at noon, which would have been 3 in the afternoon. So like 12-hour difference to travel here. And some of y'all are like, well, good for you. Just give me a minute. Uh, and so I woke up, and I stayed in a lot of hotels. So I woke up a little delirious, and I jumped up because I thought I heard one of my kids, and I ran right into the closet. <laughs> and so I'm going to be smarter tonight and, and I'm going to have that iPhone with me so I can turn on my light so that when I jump up, why are you telling us that? Because I believe that God's word, and this is what we believe is a foundation of Christianity. We believe that God's word, according to Psalms 119 verse 105, that his word is a lamp to our feet and a light into our paths. Proverbs 16, nine says in their hearts, humans will plan their course but it's the Lord that will establish the, their steps. And this is what I believe God wants to download today to us. Number one, if you're taking down notes, I want you to write this down. There's a statistic that was done by Harvard, Harvard Community College, so not quite Harvard. <laughs> Harvard did a study that says if you're a hearer only, you only retain 5% of what you hear. So literally all you heard was, yeah, we had to do a church, the name was White Chocolate. That's all you'll remember. I mean, if you take down notes, your retention rate goes up as high as 35%. That's pretty cool. If you take down notes and actually go back, reread them and go back through them again, your retention rate will go up as high as 90 to 95%. I believe that God is far more interested in our future than our past. 
And so today I believe that God wants us to get, he wants to get our attention that there's a reason why our windshield is bigger than our rear view mirror to get us ready for some new things that are about to happen. Write these three things down if you're taking down notes. Number one, I believe today the Lord wants to download, number one, new strength. Write that down, new strength. And again, I'm not gonna, this is not just a, based upon opinion. I'm going to give you some scriptures here to help you. So number one, new strength. Number two, renewed power. Write that down. Number two, renewed power. Number three, activated faith. That's good. I love that. That, just, that gets me excited. Activated faith. Write this down if you're taking down notes. This is out of the Amplified. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31. I'm going to read it out of the Amplified. It says this, but those who wait for the Lord, who expect, look for, and hope in him will gain, I love this right here, new strength. New strength and renew their power. So write this down if you wrote down new strength. This isn't recycled strength. This isn't refurbished strength. It's brand new. God has the ability to give you brand new strength. Brand new strength. Like you don't have to rely on yesterday's strength. You don't have to borrow from tomorrow's strength. He's giving you enough strength to take on the bills that you need to tackle, the stuff that you need to walk through, the grace and the sufficiency of his presence today. I love this because I think we get so caught up in like, yeah, but I, I got to deal with this a week from now. He's giving you new strength today to pray through it. He's giving you new strength today to fight another day for that marriage, to rise up another day. Y'all woke up today and you're breathing, which is proof that God's not done with you yet. That's good news. Woke up. God still has a purpose for my life. There's still healing in my hands. Like I still have a, a voice of influence to my neighbors and coworkers and that waiter, that waitress, I'll see and encounter later today. Because if we really are the hands and feet of Jesus, if we really are supposed to be representatives, Colossians 3.17 says, everything I do, everything I say, I do it as a representative of Jesus Christ. So like if you walk into AT&T and you say, uh, Man, I love all your plans. These are great. So tell me about, uh, tell me about that Verizon Unlimited plan. They're going to be like, I don't know anything about that. They're like, oh, okay, what? Tell me about the, you remember the guy with the, do you hear me now? That, well, tell me about some of the Sprint plan. I don't, I don't do Sprint. Well, why? Because they're a representative of AT&T. So every day when you wake up, every day when you take that breath, every day when you look in the mirror and say, devil, you're going to get tired before I do. Because I'm a son, I'm a daughter of the living God. And you begin to rise up with that confidence. There is a boldness that says, everything I do and say today, I do it as a representative of Jesus. Some of y'all are like, you're coming on a little strong. It's one o'clock where we're from. I've already had five shots of premium espresso. Y'all wake up with me. Come on, it's a good day to be alive. I'm passionate because I'm a product of this moment right here. There was a pastor in Commercial Point, Ohio, that didn't have a throwaway service mentality. There's a lot of pastors, when there's multiple services, you're like, wow, I'm glad we got through that first one. We'll do much better on the next service. I'm grateful for pastors like Pastors Gary, Pastor Gary and Kimberly who don't have a throwaway service mentality. They believe that found people find people, that people matter to God, so they matter to us. You walked in, you're sitting in these seats with air conditioning. Thank God for air conditioning, right? Some of these places I travel, like when I land in Houston, I just start putting deodorant behind my knees. Like instantly, anywhere they like. But, but because, the, because this couple said yes to the call of God 34 years ago, full-time ministry, 17 years in this building. Thank you for not giving up. Thank you for fighting the good fight of faith. Thank you for running your race. Thank you for staying firm to the foundation and the truth of the word. But there's a... 
there, there's a residue that gets on us when we show up and we get into an atmosphere of worship. Give the worship team a hand for leading us this morning. Because that wasn't just an appetizer. They were setting up the atmosphere for your miracle to receive what God has for you today. A little tiny church, commercial point. The pastor got up and preached like the room was packed. What he didn't know was in that building on the back row was a man who had never been in church before. A man who was a drug dealer and a drug addict and an alcoholic who beat my mom, my dad. Broken, hell-bent, struggling, full of addiction. My family was like a Jerry Springer episode. <laughs> Somebody like, you were born on the set of Jerry Springer? No, no. Mari Povich sort of, you know, this is your son, paternity test results. And I was born in an accident. I was born into a really messed up, broken family. And my mom was talking to the doctor. My dad went to get the car after they found out this accident moment. You're pregnant. My mom said, what? My dad said, what do we need to do? How do, how do we get rid of this? How, how do we fix this? My dad went to get the car and the doctor said, Barbara, I never, ever, he said, I've been doing this a while, 27 years. I've never told anybody this, but I think you should think about an abortion. And my mom said, I've never considered that. He said, but raising up another baby in a really, really broken family like yours, I just don't think it's a good idea. And my mom referred to God as a big man upstairs, the higher power, didn't know that if he was real. But as she was walking out of this doctor appointment, she said, I held onto my stomach and I said, there must be a purpose behind this baby. Again, not knowing what to ask, not knowing what to pray, far from God, because of the hell that we lived in every single day. Maybe some of you can relate to this. So for months, my mom would lie to my dad and say, I'm going to go get the abortion. I'm going to go get the abortion. And she kept telling my dad, yeah, 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 I haven't, I haven't gone yet, but I'm going to go. And some of y'all are like, what happened? Well, I made it. I'm not a hologram. Like, I'm here. Like, <laughs> like technology's amazing. Is he real? <laughs> like, my mom kept lying. I don't, I don't condone or promote lying, but she kept, thank God, she kept saying, yeah, I'm going to go. I'm going to go until she missed the deadline. Well, my dad was mad. He said, well, listen, I, you still can miscarry. Something could still happen to the baby, so, you know, I'm not out of the woods yet. My dad would leave one, two weeks at a time, running around with different women, beating up people, cheating, dealing, whatever he could do to get his fix, struggling, broken. My mom walked through this pregnancy alone, was raising my brother and my sister. A drunk driver ran a red light and T-boned us, and she almost died in that accident and almost lost me then. Three months later, she was walking down a flight of stairs. We lived in a little tiny little farmhouse with no central heat. You had to light the wood, wood fireplace downstairs, multiple layers of socks. She slipped and fell down the steps, held onto her stomach when I was six and a half months in her womb, and she almost lost me then. She broke her low back. So the devil was gunning for me when I, I didn't have a voice, but now with my, my Old Testament Bible beard, my skinny jeans, I'm kicking the devil in the teeth every single day. Why are you telling us this story? My mom was far from God. She ended up having me. My dad disappears in and out. We're on food stamps, struggling, had no clue how to make it. We're at this little grocery store in Grove City, Ohio called Kroger. She's walking around literally trying to find the cheapest, as much food as she could provide for us kids. And she was in the cereal aisle looking at the, you know, we couldn't, we couldn't afford Captain Crunch. So we, it was like Colonel Crunchies. <laughs> so, you know, you get a lot of cereal. And so she's standing at something like, amen, two hands and a foot, amen. And so she's standing there, and this little lady, I'm, I'm so grateful. I, I wish to this day I, I, would, I would have had the opportunity to have been able to thank her, to have hugged her. Because what she didn't realize was when she woke up that morning, she was about to get in the way of my family's storm. Wow. 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 
This lady, 73 years old, could have thought, I don't have any purpose left. I've missed my moment. I don't have the opportunity to be the hands and feet. Matthew chapter 5, verse 13 talks about being salt and light of the world. It says, you're the salt of the earth. If salt loses its saltiness, what is it good for but to just be thrown on the floor? What is Jesus talking about? Like, sometimes these parables are a little confusing. Like, you're reading, and it's like if a hen and a half laid an egg and a half in an hour and a half, how long would it take a monkey with a wooden leg to kick the seeds out of a dill pickle? You're like, I don't know, Jesus. <laughs> this parable is so confusing. <laughs> so I like reading different translations, but this one's pretty clear. You're the salt of the earth. What's Jesus talking about? Your life is distinctive. You don't have to wear a shirt that says spirit instead of sprite for people to know that you're a Christian. You should just walk into a room and the whole atmosphere shift. Why? Because you've been with Jesus, because you're a representative of Jesus, 73 years old. That verse goes on to talk about being a light of the world, and we understand that. Light combats darkness. We get that. But this salt part, she woke up and thought, I'm, I still have something to say. I still have healing in my hands. She shows up, this little cereal aisle, walks over to my mom. And begins to talk to my mom. Now, my mom is a little freaked out by her because the lady's saying things like God, which was like, we don't, <laughs> and purpose on your life. I don't know. Church? Oh, for sure, no. 73-year-old lady walks over to my mom and says, I've been watching you for a while. And my mom's like, okay, come on, kids, get away from her. <laughs> and she said, I wanted you to know something. There's a purpose to all your kids' lives. And this little one, I'm this little husky guy that my mom, this is, Potentially parental neglect. She gave me a, a gallon of chocolate milk every day. So I gained a lot of weight. It's in the Husky edition of Sears Magazine. No big deal. So she, she's beginning to talk, and she said, in this one, there's thousands of people's lives connected to this baby right here. Now, again, this is like a foreign language to my mom. She's never heard anything like this. She's living in the worst scenario she could be in. So church and God and all this stuff is just like foreign to us. What are you talking about? I appreciate Lacey. I think you should come to church with me. My mom said, people like us don't go to church. She said, what do you mean people like you? She said, really messed up people. My husband will probably beat up the pastor. Like, we don't go to church. And the lady said, well, my pastor says that no perfect people are allowed at our church. So anybody can come. See, God's not looking for perfect people. He's looking for purposed people. He wants to unlock purpose in us to fulfill the call of God on our lives. And so my mom said, I appreciate your time. It got away from her. My brother's like, what's church? She's like, no, where we're going. And we left. Well, what she didn't know was the parable of the sower, Mark chapter 6, some seed got down. Even though it was calloused, even though the ground was broken, some of that seed got planted. And two weeks later, my dad's binges and his struggles and her checking the front of the car to make sure there was no blood on the front of it just in case he had hit somebody when he was drunk. This is my life. My mom walked in, fed up. How many of y'all ever been sick and tired of just being sick and tired? Like, you just, at, that's it. I'm just, I'm tipping over, I'm boiling over. She walked in and said, come on, kids, we're going to go to church. And my brother said, what's church? She said, we're going to find out. And she showed up. The reason I'm passionate about the local church, the reason I'm passionate about today's services, my mom walked in there with the three of us kids and sat in the back of the room, and the pastor preached a really simple message on the grace, the truth, and the love of Jesus. My mom found Jesus, not religion. Heaven opened up, touched earth. My mom got caught in between. And life began to, she could feel the peace of God in the midst of the chaos. Isn't that amazing that God can give you new strength in the midst of chaos? He can give you fresh new strength in the midst of brokenness. My mom, in the middle of this, relied on this new strength we're talking about. She relied on it. 
She depended on it, and it was only new strength. It was only strength that she could get from God. Because the Bible says that the joy of the Lord is your, it's not your joy. It's the joy from God to you and through you that becomes your strength. Well, the abuse got worse, the, affi- the affairs got worse, the addiction got worse, and my mom would go every week. I mean, every single week we would go and go, and we did this for months and months and months, and, and we're all growing up in the church, and we're going, and my mom was fed up. She went to the pastor and said, hey, um, so according to the Bible, I can leave this guy. Like, he's cheating on me, he's messy, it's, we're messed up, and I can leave him, right? And the pastor said, well, before we talk about that, I'm going to call the elders over here. He called his wife over. Come on, come on. I want to pray for Barbara. And they gathered. And he said, uh, before we even go down that road, I want to pray one last prayer, okay? It's called the dangerous prayer. And my mom said, ooh, is it going to kill him? <laughs> I didn't know y'all had this kind of power. Like, this, just kill him, Lord. <laughs> just, it's done. Like, <laughs> and so he says, I'm going to kill him. God does not condemn, but boy, he can bring some conviction. So this is where we're going to pray. So they gathered, and this was his prayer. God, I pray that whatever bar David's sitting in, whatever Betty's laying in, make him sick. If he smokes a cigarette, make him sick. If he drinks a beer, make him sick. If he tries to shoot up, don't let him get high. I mean, he just prayed a hell, <laughs> taking on hell with a water pistol sort of prayer. And he prayed, my mom felt encouraged, went back home, and it was worse. How many of y'all have ever been there before? So I think in our humanity, we think sometimes when things are delayed, it's automatically denied. But God was working. Psalms 23, 6 says that the goodness and mercy of God is chasing after us. The presence of God was working. The Lord was pursuing my dad. Now, he was waiting for my dad to pause, take a moment, and surrender. But he had been chasing him. And so three weeks during this this prayer, this dangerous prayer moment, my dad said, I would drink and couldn't get drunk. I'd smoke and get sick. He said, I look at a woman and get just, I just couldn't take it. He said, I would try to shoot up and couldn't get high. He said, I would call my friends and say, I think I'm dying. Like nothing's working. See, God was trying to get a hold of him. He was getting his attention. So at the end of this three-week binge of struggling, he woke up on a Sunday, and my little sister, my older sister, but she was little at the time, went in and said, Daddy, will you go to church with us today? And my dad looked up and said, I saw God in that little girl's eyes. He got up and put on a John Deere hat and a John Deere vest. That's what he thought was like. That's what you, you know, put on when you went to the Sizzler. Come on, like, so Sizzler Sunday morning's probably the same. You know what I mean? And so he drives us, and my mom is panicking. She's like, because he said, I'm going to go to church with you. And she's like, why? Like, what, do, is somebody there that you need to deal with? Like, so him gripping the steering wheel, my mom's panicking. We all get to church. You know, the, the, the overzealous uh, guy in the front is like, come on, man, I got you a seat right up here on the front. My dad's like, I'm not getting that close to the lightning. Like, no thanks. So he sits in the very, very last row and sat in the back, and the pastor preached this amazing message, and he said this line, God's not mad at you, he's madly in love with you. And I don't know how many people have told you, and I don't care how broken you are, I don't care how messed up you are, there's nothing in your life exempt from the blood of Jesus. Nothing in your life, nothing in your life is, far, is so far gone and so far broken that Jesus hasn't fixed it, paid the price for it. And right now, in this moment, he can set you free. My dad stands up, doesn't know church etiquette, he had never been there before. Walks down the middle of the aisle and starts yelling at the pastor. Now, my dad, I'm 6'4". He's a couple inches on me. The pastor and him were eye level, and he was standing on the stage. And he goes, are you lying to these people? And we're all like, oh, no. And he said, no, sir, I'm not. He said, you're telling me that there's nothing in any of these people's lives, including mine, that this Jesus guy you're talking about, he, he can fix me? The pastor said, yes, sir, he can. 
he got really close, and these two were kind of having a little bit of an altercation. I was like, the pastor's going to jump on him like a spider monkey. I didn't know what was going to happen. It was getting real. And my dad looked at the ground, had wooden, wooden floor, no, no carpet, and my dad began to throw money on the floor, every, every bit of cash he had, all the change. You could hear it. And my dad, who I'd never heard cry, who I'd never seen other than angry, began to say, is this enough for my life? Is this enough for me? I don't, have it. I don't have anything else. I use it all up on drugs. I, I'm struggling. I'm an addict. I'm broken. And he's literally having this moment while all this change and cash is laying on the floor. And the pastor's trying to get his attention. David, stop. David and tries to grab his hand, which outside of the church would have gotten him beat up. David, look at me. Finally, my dad looked up and he goes, you can pick up all this money. Put it in the offering later. He didn't say that. <laughs> That's what <I> Sorry. <laughs> It's terrible. He said, you can pick up all your money and put it in your pocket. This gift is free. It's already been paid for. And Jesus is about to touch your life and restore your life. And y'all, 32 years later, it was as if heaven opened up. God put his thumbprint on my dad. My dad's never sipped another sip of alcohol. He stopped cheating and beating up people. He stopped using and hustling and shooting up and snorting. Everything changed. So I love the local church. Because I believe there are people that are sitting in this room that know they need Jesus. And something in your heart today is going to convince you of the fact that there's more to life than the way you've been living it. So that you can walk out set free, healed, and delivered. Say new strength. Come on. Brand new strength. I said this a moment ago, but Nehemiah 8.10, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Get your joy back. Come on, smile a little bit more. It's more attractive on you to smile and be happy. And God, to keep me humble, said, I'm going to take your hair, but I'm going to give you a great beard. Which is kind of... I find joy in things in life because life is too short to wake up and not have joy. And I want to receive the joy of the Lord, that new strength. I believe there's joy about to be downloaded in this room. I believe that there's joy to give you the new strength to start that business you felt like God told you to start. That joy and that new strength to get through that broken place in your life, that financial disaster in your life, to fight another day for that broken marriage, to believe, mom, that those sons and daughters that have fallen into addiction are going to come back home. I believe there's new strength today. Say new strength. Come on. New strength. I love the end of Isaiah 40, 31 because it says they will run and not become weary, they will walk and not grow tired. So number two, if you're writing this down, renewed power. Write that down, renewed power. So new strength, renewed power. Here's some of the definitions of the word renew. To restore, to revive. I love this. To make new, to restart, to begin again. Lamentations chapter 3, verse 22 and 24 says, The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion. Therefore, I will hope in him. See, in this renewed power, there's also a rest. How many of y'all have need some rest? Now, I'm not talking about just like you're like, well, I just don't sleep very well. I wake up all night long. I'm talking about like a rest in your soul. Where you can literally say, devil, I know you're throwing these things at me. I know that these things seem like they're causing me to fall apart, but it is well with my soul. Like, I can find rest in my hope in him. I read this acronym the other day. It said, push, pray until something happens. It causes you, when you're at a spirit of rest, when you're putting on that armor of God, like Ephesians 6 talks about, 
starting in verse 10, the feet of peace, you know, that literally translates to you're literally putting on, you're girding your feet with a spirit of rest. You're walking in that rest. That renewed power gives you the rest you need. That even though things are happening all around you, I'm not a big avid hunter. I know with the beard, you're like, you probably hunt all the time. Uh, I hunt for coffee shops. I don't know. That was terrible. I'm not going to say that in the next service. <laughs> but there is an old adage that says, like, water off a duck's back. Wave at me if you've ever heard that. That's just white people. <laughs> Y'all know what I'm talking about? Water off a duck's back. Do you know what that saying means? There's an oil in the feather of a duck that when it rains, it beads up and rolls off. See, when you walk into a spirit of rest and they say, hey, they're talking about layoffs, it just beads up and rolls off. When the doctor says you're going to deal with this the rest of your life, I appreciate your professionalism, but my faith, it beads up and rolls off. When that brokenness seems like it's trying to overtake you and rob you of your joy, it just beads up and rolls off. And you begin to walk in that spirit of rest that says, I know who I am in Christ. I said it earlier, but the hell happening around you is absolutely no match for the heaven that's inside of you. When you walk in that rest and know who you are, listen, you're not, I don't know who this is for, but maybe you're walking around with a label that says damaged goods or fragile. You're you're fearfully and wonderfully made. Psalms 139 verse 14 says that you are fearfully and wonderfully made, marvelously complex. He did not make a mistake on you. Other people might have ran out on you, but he knows your name. He looks down upon you and calls you his favorite. So enter into that rest today. Say renewed power. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 says, Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Last one, number three, activated faith. Activated faith. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1 says, Faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen and gives us the assurance about things we cannot see. So I, pre- I preached here in January. I thought it was July, but Matt is my fact checker when it comes to our travel because we travel so much. But January 2017, we were here. Y'all had like that rainstorm of like the 15-year rain, and I brought that. That's a blessing. Thank you. You're welcome. People are starting to pay me to stay away from their region because it rains every time. I, I, I left Houston three days before Harvey hit, and so I got blamed for that one as well. Some of y'all are like, oh, my Lord, I don't have the power of the weather. Stop. Um, but at January, we were excited. Um, we were, uh, we had just briefly after that found out we were pregnant and, uh, you know, through, throughout the year, we're excited 2017 and we're approaching in October, we're going in for another ultrasound and we're super excited. We're about to reveal like, Hey, what we're having. So Matt's wife, Desiree and Matt have worked for our ministry for a long time. So she came over and we wrote number four on a pumpkin and we took a picture and we were ready to go, man. We were excited. We had had Brecken, Finley, Daphne, and now we're about to have baby number four. And so we end up going to the ultrasound and, and as we're walking in, my wife's going in to check in and I heard the Lord say, I've given you strength for this moment, Daniel. Now, let me say this really quickly, because some of you maybe think like that's hyper-spiritual to say the Lord said. John 14, 26 says, but before Jesus ascended to sit at the right hand of the Father, he left the Holy Spirit here, here as our comforter, as our helper who helps. The Holy Spirit is always speaking. Well, I haven't heard him in a while. Well, maybe there's something distracting you in your life that keeps you from hearing the Lord. Maybe there's a muddying of the waters that's keeping you from feeling those nudges. It doesn't have to be an audible voice like Janet. You're like, oh, wow. <laughs> Kevin, you're like, oh, Lord. Sometimes it's audible, but sometimes it's just that nudge, that intuition that, but man, in this moment, I felt it in my being today. I've given you strength for this moment. 
Well, I'm starting to pray. James 4, 7 says, resist the devil and he shall flee. So I'm trying to push back. And as I'm praying and trying to combat this frustration, I feel the peace of God. I can't describe it other than that. We went into the ultrasound appointment. The ultrasound tech who had walked through it with us before with Daphne said, I'm so sorry. I didn't want to have to be the one that tells you this. But there's no heartbeat. You've lost the baby. I felt this room get smaller. I heard the enemy say, and, and fear tried to grip me, like, you've preached all over the world. You've declared the good news of God and said that he's a healer and he's faithful. Where's your God in this? I felt this, check again, check again. She said, Daniel, the baby it stopped growing a few weeks ago. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And we're walking out and the people there know us. So they're like, what are you having? And we couldn't talk and we got in the car and in the natural, you have to walk this process out. If you've ever walked through this, you have to mourn and grieve and you have to deal with the questions of why and, and how did this happen and why us and all that stuff. And then you want to WebMD it and Google it. And, 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 and so for two or three weeks, we're just processing it and walking through it. Well, my wife started having some complications. We didn't understand what was going on. We went back to the doctor. They said, listen, we're going to have to put you on this medicine. And I said, well, are there any side effects? And, and she said, well, I mean... Yeah, there's like rare, rare ones, but those never happen. And I said, well, like, what are they? And she said, well, death or bleed to death. And I was like, well, that's terrible. She said, they never happen. They just have to put it on there as a disclaimer. So we're two weeks into this medicine, and she's seeming to get a little bit better, and, but there's still something not right. And I'm supposed to be flying to Omaha to preach. And this pastor calls me and says, hey, man, I want to reschedule. I said, why? And he goes, I don't know why. I just felt like the Lord told me to tell you you should be home with Jackie this weekend. I said, okay. And haven't been home in a while. We've been gone a lot on these weekends and preaching. And so Matt's daughter, Hannah, has a, I'm just giving you a lot of context, because I want you to know this too. Sometimes there's a misconception that ministers and preachers don't go through things. Like everything is polished and perfect. Like everything's just good. I read my Bible eight hours a day. That's all I do. No, we go through stuff. The rain falls on the just and the unjust. So Matt's daughter has this Peter Pan play, this junior high play. And it was kind of a nice break. You know, Breck and Finley, Daphne, my wife, were all sitting there watching it. And, and it's super long. If you've ever been to one of these, they're just ridiculously, they're like, let's take another intermission. I'm like, why? These kids don't even know their parts. Oh, it's adorable. And I'm looking at my wife, and I'm like, wow, it's starting to feel kind of normal again. If you've ever walked through a storm, it's kind of nice getting on the other side of it and kind of feeling like, ah, I can breathe. And I went from asking, are you okay, to her saying, yeah, to me asking 20 minutes later, are you okay, and her saying, I don't think so. And me driving 108 mile an hour on the freeway to get her to what I didn't realize was going to be a life-saving surgery. This is two weeks before Thanksgiving. 17, right after I had been here. And they're rushing her in. We got there and they thought she was a gunshot victim. She had lost so much blood. There was a girl that happened to be at the play that had watched our kids before. And I said, can you just jump in the car with us and don't let the kids know what's going on? We couldn't stop the bleeding. We get to the hospital and I carry her in and they're like, whoa, what's going on? And it, it was just absolutely out of control. And they rush her in. They're trying to get fluid. She's going in and out of consciousness. And the doctor pulls me out in the hallway and said, we think we know what's going on. We have to do a little bit more of an examination. And they said, but this is really serious. See, in those moments when you're squeezed, what comes out of you is what's hidden inside of you. That's why it's so important to get the word in you. Because what fills, spills. Because when you're squeezed, if anxiety and fear and depression and concern comes out of you, that's what's hidden inside of you. And in these moments, fear tolerated is faith contaminated. You have to have the fight of the word of God in you. How many of y'all have ever been to a storm and you know what I'm talking about? Six of you. This is an amazing church. 
No, wave at me if you've been through something. Praise God, there's the honest people. All right. So I remember standing there, and they asked me to leave the room, and I had to find a place to talk to God. I had to get and find a spot where I could just be with the Lord and say, what is going on? I needed a providence moment. The word providence means an intervention. I needed God to show up and intervene because they're telling me, I mean, they're asking me, how, how long has this been? How fast were you driving? How fast did you get here? Because there was a certain window where they could have lost her. I go out. Matt's there. He's there supporting me, man. We're praying. We're good. And, and I, I find myself in this ER bathroom, which you need deliverance just from an ER bathroom. And I'm like, so pray. I was like, pray for me, saints. And so I'm standing in this bathroom all by myself. And my first response, sometimes in our humanity, was I lifted my fist and I was like, what? Why? What is going on, God? What's happening right now? I'm standing in there and I'm frustrated. I've done all this for you. I've worked this for you. I've helped people. And all of a sudden I just stopped. And I'm not saying I do things right all the time. But in this moment, I felt the peace of God fill that bathroom. And instead of shaking my fist and asking all these questions, I instead turned my hand over and I said, you are working all things for my good. You are working all things for my good. Even though I don't see it, I will still believe it. You are working all things for my good. And then I said, to worship you, I live. To worship you, I live, I live to worship you. Just me and God. Some guy's like, I need to get in there. I'm like, shut your mouth. I'm in here. I'm having a time with the Lord. I needed that. See, what happens is the enemy says, oh, no, he's figured it out. Oh, he's figured it out. The greater is he that's in. Okay, that the one that's standing with us is stronger than the one that's against us. And I felt boldness rise up inside of me. And I said, in just a moment, God, this is my prayer, that the nurse, uh, uh, nurse techs, the nurses, the anesthesiologists, the surgeon, everybody that's walking in and out of that surgery room, God, that heaven is about to open. It's about to touch earth, and there's going to be a divine intervention. A miracle is about to break out in that room. I mean, I was ready. I busted out that door list. Let's, let's go. Matt handed me a Starbucks. I drank it. I said, thank you, Matt. And I walk in the room, and there's nobody in the room. They got my, back. my wife hooked up to all this stuff. She's in and out of consciousness, and this nurse puts his hand up, and he goes, hold on, sir. And I said, okay. He said, I want you to know everything's going to be okay. And I thought, this is cool. I just got done praying. It's like a prophetic moment. He's like, I've released vibes all over this room. See, I'm sanctified, but I'm not that sanctified. I said, what did you say, vibes? He said, there are vibes everywhere. There are vibes all over this room. And I was like, where are they? He's like, right there. And I was like, well, you can grab all your vibes. Just snatch all the vibes up. Tuck them in your fanny pack. You don't need to release any vibes in this room. And he goes, excuse me? I said, we don't need vibes in this room. We need the power of the Holy Spirit in this room. Jesus is about to move in this room. So he was like, okay, well, I left a couple for you. So you can take those too. Grab them all. Head on out the door. Why are you telling us that? Activated faith. That faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. And it gives us the assurance what we cannot see. I had to have confidence through my faith that God was going to intervene even though I couldn't see it. I was still going to believe it, that he was working all things 
for our good. They took her down the hall, and I remember looking at her and getting on my knee next to her, and I said, you're going to make it. But in my head, I heard the enemy saying, you're going to be a single dad. She's going to die. It's the last time you're going to tell her you love her. They gave me her ring, and they took her down the hallway, and I walked out in the lobby, and it's wild how God will speak to and speak through people that you are in covenant with. I had three people call me. One of my fathers in the faith out of nowhere calls and says, man, I was just praying for you. What's going on? I said, Jackie's in surgery. One of my best friends on the planet, a guy named Jeremy Foster, he's in Houston, Texas, calls and said, man, I'm preaching in between services. The Lord said to call you right now. What's going on? I didn't put it on Facebook. I didn't put it on MySpace. <laughs> I didn't put it on something like, MySpace is still happening? If you have one, bless you. <laughs> And then one of my other close friends, William McDowell, called me. He said, man, I was just praying, and I heard the Lord say, call you. So, man, God was fighting for us when I couldn't see it. The doctor, I'm bringing this in for Lana, the doctor comes through the doors after an hour and a half surgery. She comes through the doors, and she has a real somber, like, calm look on her face. And I'm like, and she goes, oh, it was a success. I'm like, you could have led with that. Like, you could have walked through the door with, like, party poppers or something. Like, and she said, I'm sorry that my countenance isn't super outgoing. And I said, no, what's going on? She said, um, Daniel, something remarkable just happened. See, when, they, when doctors start saying things like that, I'm like, give me a moment. I almost took off running around the room. Like, you give me a minute. Won't he do it? And I'm standing there and she said, a healthy blood count is between 11 and 18. I would have gauged your wife's to be around four and a half to five. We ordered three blood transfusions as a start. She lost so much blood, like a trauma victim of a gunshot. And she said, uh, I said, well, how many did you have to? She said, hold on, hold on. She said, every time we would test your wife's blood count, I kept saying, check it again. She said, something remarkable happened in there because your wife's body was producing more blood in 30 minutes than a human body should in 30 days. It never dropped below 11. We never had to give her a transfusion. She came through the surgery, no problem. Everything worked exactly like it needed to. It was remarkable. I said, Dr. Charles, it's not a remarkable moment. That's a miracle moment. And I got a chance to pray for her, man. All of Jackie's post-op checkups, we were calling her Supergirl and... They were just blown away. They didn't understand medically how this could have happened. But God activated faith. Here's the reality. Write this down if you're taking down notes. God will never give you a life where he's not necessary. God will never give you a life where he's not necessary. In the middle of that ER moment, I felt like the Lord had given me two things out of Acts 27 and 28 where Paul finds himself in an unexpected storm, a shipwreck moment. And the ship begins to break apart in Acts 27. And I encourage you this afternoon, maybe go read the story. It's amazing. Start in Acts 27 verse 1 and move on through it all the way through Acts 28. But he finds himself in this out-of-control moment with 276 other prisoners on the ship. The ship, because of this massive hurricane, begins to break apart the ship. The centurion and, and all the guards are like, we need to kill the prisoners because we don't want them escaping. The centurion is moved with compassion because of Paul's life and says, no, 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 I'll tell you what. Let, let's, uh, if you know how to swim, swim to the island over there. If you don't know how to swim, grab some planks and pieces. Say pieces. Grab some planks or pieces. So here's these guys grabbing a hold of these planks and pieces and ultimately floated over to the island of Malta and their lives. All 276 men, including Paul, was spared. Write this down if you're taking down notes. God can still get you to your destination on broken pieces. 
I felt that in that ER. God can still get you to your destination on broken pieces. God did not cause this storm to happen, but he was shifting it for our good. And he was giving us a way out. And in the next 28, they light a fire. Paul and everybody are trying to gather around this fire. This viper comes out of nowhere, bites Paul's hand. Like, the shipwreck was designed to kill him. He should have drowned. So he made it to land, like, thank God, like, you're still looking over, you know, out for me. And now this, okay, now a viper has bit me. And the, the, the islanders are like, man, this man must be a murderer. He must be really bad off because if the storm didn't kill him and the ship didn't kill him, the viper's going to kill him. And they watch, like, watch him. He's about to die. <laughs> Keep an eye on his hand. Look at him. He's about to die. And Paul shook it off in the fire. And God not only healed and set Paul free, but miracles begin to break out. The chief's father gets healed, and all these other people start gathering around, and they all get healed. Why? Because God can still pull purpose out of you where the enemy has tried to stop you. See, the enemy didn't know it was going to light an even greater fire in us on that ER experience, that we're going to run harder. We're going to reach more people for Jesus. We're going to shout from the rooftops of his faithfulness. What it ended up doing is it activated our faith. But I'm grateful that we had new strengths for that day. I'm grateful that we had renewed power and that rest for that day. And I'm grateful that there was activated faith for that day. First Peter 5, verse 7, if you'll stand to your feet as we bring this in for a landing, y'all can still beat the Baptist to Golden Corral. We're doing good. That's a joke. Y'all can laugh. How <laughs> is that Golden Corral? Is there Golden Corrals here? Do you know what I'm talking about? It's like chocolate fountain. Y'all know what I'm talking about? chocolate fountain on the bar and like cotton candy. Like I was with my mom and dad in Tampa. I don't need to go in Corral. My mom's like, you want to go to Golden Corral? I was like, I haven't had pink eye in a while. Let's, like, let's go. And there was a kid putting his entire arm in the chocolate fountain and pulling it out and liking it and putting it back in. And then the lady was like, well, still put pineapple in it. All right. So moving on. First Peter 5, 7 says this as we bring this in for a landing. Matt, you can come. It says to cast all of your cares. Amplified says all your anxieties, all of your worries, all of your concerns. Watch this. Once and for all on him. For he cares about you with deepest affection and watches over you carefully. And my commitment this year through rain and through good moments, mountaintop moments and valley moments, my, my commitment to God this year is, Lord, as I approach your presence. I'm not going to approach it anymore as a painkiller. I feel like in Americanized Christianity, a lot of times we approach his presence like a painkiller, like some ibuprofen to help with a headache. When the truth is he wants to heal your entire life. He wants to give you that new strength, that renewed power and that activated faith every day. And so my commitment this year was, God, this is what I'm going to do when I cast my cares on you. I'm going to stop monitoring the things I place in your hands. So many times we say, God, I trust you with this. And then the next day you're like, hey, you remember me? I had a situation with my little boy a few weeks ago. He came up to me and asked me if I could take care of something. And I said, I'll take care of it. And he goes, what do you mean? I said, I'll, I'll do it. He said, you, you're going to take care of it? I said, I give you my word. As your father, I give you my word. He's like, wow. Three hours later, his sister Finley, who's eight, came in. She's like, hey, dad, what's going on? We have a handshake. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> like this all day. And I was like, what's up? And she said, hey, do you remember Brecken? I said, you brother? She's like, yeah, no, I know you remember him. Do you remember he talked to you about something? I said, oh, hey, Brecken, you're going to send a spy in the camp? Like, I already told you I was going to take care of it. She's like, well, he just wanted me to check and see if you had. I said, Brecken, I gave you my word. 
The next morning I get up pretty early. I wake up super early when my phone's not binging, dinging, pinging. Phones are not ringing. I just try to get in the presence of God. I didn't mean to rhyme there, but I'm a poet. And Brecken's down there wiping the counter at 5.30 in the morning. He's, he's 10. I said, what are you doing, buddy? He's like, I'm just cleaning. I said, well, let's go work on the toilets, too. I mean, I don't know what you're doing. I like it. <laughs> and you know what he was doing? He was trying to beat me down there to ask me, did you take care of? And boy, I could feel like, Brecken, I, I gave you my, and I heard the Lord say, don't yell at him. You do this to me all the time. Well, not me, maybe Jackie. But I felt the Lord say, when you place something in my hand, stop monitoring things you've already placed there. His promises are yes and amen. His healing is yes and amen. The power of his spirit is yes and amen for your life. And the power that saves you is the same power that God wants to use to sustain you. Will you close your eyes this morning? Father, my prayer today is that everybody in this room will walk out with new strength. They will walk out with the confidence that every day there's new strength, like we read about in Isaiah 40, verse 31. That as we wait, we hope for, we look to you. You would download that new strength that we need today. You would renew our power, that restart, that refreshing. And then ultimately, God, you would supernaturally supercharge us with activated faith. That we can take on anything that we need to take on. Because we know in Exodus 14, 14, you are fighting for us. We need only to be still. With your eyes closed just for a moment, if you're here and you say, Pastor Daniel, I needed this word today. And here's the truth. I don't know Jesus as my Savior. I want to know what that new strength's about. I want to know about that renewed power. I want to have that activated faith. But I don't know Jesus as my Savior. All this is is simply a change happening between an exchange for our guilt and His grace. Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10, and I'm not saying this flippantly. I say this as family. I might be like a weird cousin, but I'm family here now. We don't pray prayers for symbolic reasons at Spectrum. We pray it because Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10 says, Confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord and you will be saved. Nothing in your past. You may be super glued, duct taped, decoupaged back together. Maybe your past is super broken. Or maybe you're the flip side and you've never done anything wrong. Truth is, we've all fallen short. Maybe you've fallen away and you say, Pastor Daniel, I just don't know Jesus as my Savior, but I used to. And I want to rededicate today. I've been caught up in a prodigal life, but today's the day I want to make things new. I want that new strength. I want that renewed power, and I want that activated faith. I'm going to count to three, and in just a moment, if you're either one of those two invitations, you want to give your life to God for the first time, or you want to rededicate your life. One, today I want to give my life to God. Two, I want to rededicate. Three, would you lift up your hand? Just acknowledge, Pastor Daniel, you're talking about me. I see your hand back there. Amazing. I see your hand here. Two, three, four. Amazing. Five. Incredible. You can put your hands down. Anybody else? Join my five friends right now. You say, today's the day. I just want to make things right. We won't embarrass you at the end and closing. Pastor Gary's going to come up and give you a couple tools and tips and some things that you guys do here at the church to help.